0: Hi, it's the wire. It is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. Gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. Let's talk boxing. Let's talk about the battle to be the undisputed champion at 140 pounds between unbeaten Josh Taylor and unbeaten Jose Ramirez. But first, remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, let me diverge here just for a second. Special shout-out to two fighters, right? I think it's important for people on YouTube to talk with fighters from time to time, given that the boxing community is increasingly on YouTube. Let me just say to an unbeaten Title holder, the super bantamweight titleist, Brandon Figueroa, who is excellent inside. He's excellent inside. Right? Look dominant against Lewis Neary. Let me just say this, and he's five eight, he's tall, right? For super bantamweight. Let me just say, Brandon, I hope you watch replays of this Josh Taylor Ramirez fight right just look at Taylor carefully he is great inside just like you but he can shift gears shift his center of gravity and actually fight outside behind a jab Figaro is in his mid-20s he needs to develop a back foot a Josh Taylor level back foot to hit heights like this, even though he has two belts already, to hit heights like this and to prolong his career. To Brandon Figueroa, I hope you watch the Taylor Ramirez film. Next, I'd like to give a shout to Jamal Charlo, one of the champions at 160 pounds. Let me just say, there is a crowd, I'm in it, that values undisputed champions that looks at people like Alexander Usyk and Terence Crawford, guys who have accomplished the feat, Claressa Shields, another person with a certain amount of reverence, right? We understand how dedicated they are to the sport, how they're interested in accumulating the belts, in achieving greatness. In my opinion, you look bad when you denigrate Demetrius Andre. Another unbeaten champion in your weight class. And then don't fight him. Look, don't tell us you're better. Show us. Right? I believe that the existence of fights like Taylor Ramirez makes champions who want to talk about other champions instead of fight them look bad. Right? One of the reasons Canelo is so popular is people understand he wants to be undisputed at 168. He's not going to talk about Callum Plant. He's actually going to try to fight him. Let me also say, too, you get to your 30s. I understand managers and promoters have agendas. They want to keep everything in-house. They want to give opportunities to other fighters in their stable. right? You cannot let that keep you from trying to be undisputed. Again, don't tell us, show us. If your manager's interest diverges from your own, you have to ask yourself. As Andre Ward put it on the telecast, you have to have a conversation with yourself. Not your trainer, not your manager, but with yourself. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be remembered as a fighter in a stable, or do you want to be undisputed? Demetrius Andre is calling you out. I hope you accept the challenge. Now, let's talk about this fight, folks. It was an event. This is boxing the way it should be. Right? You had two guys, each of them with two titles. And it wasn't enough. Right? I believe LeBron James understands. I believe Tom Brady understands. Right? Two titles... It's not enough. Both guys wanted to be undisputed. Both guys undefeated. Casual fans think that the best fights were always on pay-per-view. That's not the truth. This was a unification match for the boxing hardcore. This, quite frankly, was one of the best fights that boxing could present us with. Let me also say this too, and it's important. To me, at least. I keep hearing people from time to time come up to me and tell me that the fight game is in decline, right? There's that fight game is in decline crowd that always wants to say, oh, in the old days it was special, and now it's not special. What sport have you been watching? We had an undisputed champion at 140, we had an undisputed champion at Cruiser, you have an undisputed champion in women's boxing, and here you have two guys in their prime with two titles apiece, and they both wanted to be undisputed. Not only that, at 168, you have a guy who before his last fight, as he enters the ring, they point out that he's on his quest. This is part of his ring entrance to become undisputed at 168. So my goodness. Count me among those who has been very impressed with the sport of boxing. I feel this is one of the glo- the golden ages of boxing. I think some fighters are really pushing themselves even at heavyweight. Right? A split division that I always criticize. But you have guys trying to unify belts. You understand they're serious about it, right? I'll even congratulate the sanctioning bodies who are serious about getting title shots for their mandatory contenders, right? So I feel boxing's making an effort. This fight was spectacular, folks. Now, for the gamblers, my core constituency, the hedge held, the fight went the distance, right? You got the over, Let's talk about what surprised me in the fight. Josh Taylor's magnificent. I privately thought, well, I publicly thought, Ramirez would beat him. And Ramirez was a two-to-one underdog. The fight on the scorecards was closer than the fight was in reality. I thought Josh Taylor had this fight won by at least three rounds. All of the judges had Taylor winning by two rounds, right? Okay, fair enough. And there were two knockdowns in the fight. So what they're telling you is, If Taylor doesn't get the two knockdowns, this fight's a draw, right? It was rough and tumble. I believe this fight had some defining moments in the fight. And let me say this, and I don't say it lightly. Part of the fight experience are the announcers. You had an act of God happen here. You had an announcer ringside, a commentator, Andre Ward. Who was great inside and who also could fight outside. You had a fighter who was a lot like Josh Taylor commenting on the fight. And I thought it was interesting. Also, Ward and Timothy Bradley were accused during their careers of being a bit too rough and tumble, right? The Kessler people want you to believe that Ward was headbutting him. Just like the Devin Alexander people want you to believe that Timothy Bradley was headbutting them. This fight between an Orthodox fighter and a Southpaw had some rough moments. It's an act of God that you had some commentators who were rough and tumble fighters. We'll comment from time to time on their comments. I thought Andre Ward had a spectacular night. I thought it was interesting because I thought his take on the fight was a little bit different than the takes of the other two guys on the telecast. Now, if you believe Josh Taylor was the more nimble fighter who could win this fight from the outside, right? The fight I was expecting. Uh, Not that I thought Taylor would win from the outside. I thought Taylor would try and then get lured inside. But I recognize that Taylor is the better fighter on his back foot. Well, you got that in the first round. Right? Taylor comes out. He's moving. He can't be cornered. He's seamless. You see him and you realize that Ramirez is trying to corner him. Now, Ramirez, truth be told, is known as a slow starter. But what's interesting is... Taylor's movement is such that as you watch him move, you understand that this guy has a distinct advantage moving. right In a unification match, Josh Taylor, when he wants to get out of the kitchen, can get out of the kitchen early. Josh Taylor is completely coordinated. In other words, it's movement where as he moves, he's always ready to hit you, right? His feet are such that he's always in position to hit you. Well, Taylor wins the first round. He's slick. You wonder if Taylor's gonna stay outside the rest of the fight. Then we get to the second round And then the case for Ramirez makes itself in the third round. I thought Ramirez takes the second round. I thought he just seemed to be the bigger man. I thought his punches just seemed to be harder. You got the feeling eventually he was gonna corner Josh Taylor and rip off some hard shots. Well, the third round comes. Now, what I want you to do is to look at that third round and compare it to my pre-fight video. That's the fight I was expecting. Josh Taylor, because of who he is, a fighter, first and foremost, right? Not a boxer who wants to avoid contact. This is a guy who, when he gets hurt, and we'll talk about that, when he gets hurt, when he gets muscled, He wants to come inside the pocket. Josh Taylor ends up inside the pocket. Ramirez, withering left hook. He's having a lot of success with his right hand to the body. Right? It's interesting. Taylor's prepared for the left. The right hand is landing. And it looks like Taylor is getting beaten up to the body. The third round is the best Ramirez round. Let me also say that Andre Ward, right, who fought many different styles, he's a great fighter. He's also an old school fighter, right? Andre Ward does not believe in relying on the referee, right? Just food for thought. Andre Ward, when he sees Taylor trying to get inside and Ramirez. Who's great inside himself tries to keep a distance between himself and Taylor, and that surprised me. Andre Ward makes the point that Taylor is trying to body up Ramirez, who won't let him. This is in the third round, right? It's a great observation, and it's counter to the other two guys on the telecast. What they're telling you is that the guy with the superior back foot who can operate behind feints, a jab, a right hook, straight lefts actually likes to come inside and lay his body on you even when the opponent he's fighting, as many thought, hits harder than him. And wants you to be close enough so he could hit your body. Well, then we get to the fourth round. Now, what I want people to do, looking at the telecast, is listen to the crowd. This is one of the reasons why I thought Ramirez was going to take it. The crowd starts chanting, Jose, Jose, Jose. Folks, they're in Las Vegas. In front of a Ramirez crowd. And Ramirez is off to a fast start. Now let me just say this. Taylor looks to be in a bit of trouble. Right? The momentum is going with Ramirez at this point. Andre Ward then says, and this is in the fourth round. It's not the headshots; It's The body shots that's what's slowing Taylor down and he's right Taylor looks desperate right Taylor looks like he's getting hit with big shots regardless of what he does Ward goes further Ward says he doesn't know how to angle how to get out of the way of the body shots Now, at that moment in the fight, and I know, outcomes cause amnesia, right? But at that point in the fight, it looked like Taylor was being methodically chopped down. That Ramirez was too mobile for Taylor to stay outside. That Taylor, who starts leading with left hands, great move, by the way, he's a southpaw. That's his dominant hand. Taylor wanted to be deep in the pocket, where he was going to get hit with body shots, where body shots were landing, right? Well, let me just say that towards the end of the fourth round, and this is just my opinion, Taylor gets low, right? Taylor has a vertical part to his game wide stance and he's vertical, great athlete. Taylor gets low, Ramirez is coming in. At this point, you're expecting the dam to break. You're expecting Ramirez who is coming in more often than not to eventually wear down Taylor. And Taylor throws a left hand to Ramirez's body. They throw punches together The camera angle is bad. The camera angle shows you Ramirez coming inside. I'm just telling you that that punch from Josh Taylor, which hits Ramirez right in the stomach, right? That shot, to me, is the second most important punch of the fight. At that point, Ramirez was building up momentum. He has Taylor back up against the ropes. As he comes in, the two guys throw. Taylor is the faster handed, the shorter punching fighter. Taylor's shot to the body, in my opinion, almost drops Ramirez. The telecast notices the punch but doesn't realize the significance. Right? Ramirez has been hit hard. I believe he is as hurt at the end of the fourth round as he is after the first knockdown. That's how bad it is. But, of course, Ramirez is one of these tough guys, right? Ramirez's face, you see it if you look at it in slow motion. But at regular speed, Ramirez bluffs. In other words, he comes in, gets hit, you see him kind of lean over. He's been hit hard. But he plays it off to the point where Ward gives him the round. So at the end of four rounds, I gave him the round. Right? But I understood this was a big punch. I just felt that Ramirez had won enough of the other part of the round. Right? So at the end of four rounds, I had the same card Andre Ward did. Ward had it three rounds for Ramirez one round for Josh Taylor, right? That's the Ramirez case, right? Ramirez, of course, two to one underdog. I still maintain that pre-fight line was ridiculous. Well, let me just point out that at this point, some themes emerge. Josh Taylor's right jab looks underdeveloped. When Taylor, who gets hit hard the first four rounds, needs to defend himself in the ring. Folks, he's leading with left hands. right? Southpaw, leading with his dominant hand. Understand, I think it's a great move, but it's perilous. Because when you throw your dominant hand and you have it extended, if the other guy's prepared to counter you, you don't have anything dominant to hit him with. Right? So Taylor is doing several left hand leads. Let me also point out, too, that Taylor is so coordinated that he can come in the pocket and lead with left hands and catch a guy holding two of the belts cold. In other words, there's no tell on Taylor. Right? You notice that. Ramirez is stunned by Taylor's left hand leads. For the odds makers out there, they're talking about Crawford against Taylor next. Think about that fight. The last two unbeaten champs at 140, possibly fighting at a catchweight. Let me just say this. Crawford who's ambidextrous, which Taylor's not. Who's a scientist who's different for every fight. I'm sure Crawford's looking at Taylor's left hand and intuitively understands, okay, he's going to lead with this left. His right is too undeveloped for me to give it the same defensive priority that I'm going to give guarding the left. That's why as magnificent as Josh Taylor looks in this fight. I'm going to take Crawford. I think Crawford's hands are more developed than Taylor's right hand. Well, let's continue. So the fifth round starts. Now understand, Ramirez up until this point has been crashing the pocket. But he's just been hit with a huge left hand toward the end of the fourth round. So he's cautious in the fifth round. On the telecast, they start talking about how he's patient. I don't believe he's patient as much as hurt to the body. Right? I want people to relook at that left hand to Ramirez's body that slows him down in the fifth round. So then we get to the sixth round. Right? Let me just say this. You have Ramirez come over. Now he's been having a lot of success throwing right hands to Josh Taylor's body. Now maybe he himself, when he came in, knew he was lined up with Taylor's left hand, his dominant hand. And maybe he thought, if I throw the punch up top, It'll stop whatever counter he throws back up top. Now, I don't quite know what Ramirez was thinking. Taylor's over in the corner, but you understand Taylor has great legs, right? He's a guy who will be hanging around corners, who will then slip and be in the middle of the ring and have you in the corner. Well, you know the rest. Ramirez comes over and he throws a right hand up top and Taylor slips the punch, and Taylor then throws a counter left hook that drops Ramirez, right? It's a defining moment in a fight that up until that point was very close, right? Understand, after four rounds, Andre Ward has it 3 1 for Ramirez. Neither fighter gets knocked down in round number five. Right? Let's say round number five goes to Taylor. So then you get to round six, and early in the round, Taylor drops Ramirez. Right? So Ramirez gets up. He's hurt. Make no mistake, it's not a slip. He's been hit in the mouth, unprepared for it, goes down. Let's talk about what could have been. His best punch is a left hook. You heard Andre Ward say, Taylor's having problems dealing with your body, right? Dealing with shots to the body, right? Understand, you've just heard me say, Josh, Taylor's right hand looks a little underdeveloped. If Ramirez had come over and throw his left hand instead of his right hand. His left hand lines up with Taylor Southpaw's right hand. It's doubtful even if Taylor throws a right hook that the counter would have had the strength that Taylor's left hook had, Taylor's Southpaw. Well, put it this way. That punch is used because it's the first time a fighter looks like that fighter has a decided edge in the fight. In other words, Ramirez dominates the third round, but it's on body shots. Here, you actually have a guy on the canvas. So even the casual fan in the crowd is going to say, wow, you know, Josh Taylor... Is winning this round let me just say and it's important later in the sixth round as Ramirez climbs back into the round the crowd in a round in which Ramirez has been dropped starts yelling Jose 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 right So then we get to the seventh round. In this round, you notice that Taylor's actually throwing right hooks. Taylor has de-emphasized his jab. You have a guy who moves well, who doesn't want to bother with the jab. Again, he's more of a fighter. He wants to rely on power shots, right? Now, unfortunately, and I say this, The camera angle for the key moment of the seventh round wasn't on Kenny Bayless. You don't see what Kenny Bayless is saying to the fighters or what he's motioning. You don't see enough of Kenny Bayless in the shot. The two guys are together in the middle of the ring. They're leaning on each other And then Josh Taylor pushes off with his right arm. Right? Pushes off with his right arm, already has his feet apart, and throws a picture-perfect left uppercut that drops Ramirez. Right, folks? I'll just say As someone who was hoping the fight would go over, I was scared. Ramirez goes down so hard, so hard, that as I make this video I'm wondering how he survived the rest of the round, as well as the next round, the eighth round. In other words, this is the punch of the night. Now, the reason Kenny Bayless is important is there is a question. You heard it at the end of the round from Robert Garcia, Ramirez's superstar trainer, on whether the hit came on the break. The way the scene plays out on ESPN, you can't tell if Kenny Bayless has asked for a break. Here's what I know. Kenny Bayless is one of the best referees. In all of boxing right let me also say too that if they ruled that Taylor had hit on the break this would come across like Evanda Holifield getting disqualified from the 84 Olympics for supposedly hitting on a break right it would have looked unfair let me also say too that this was where Andre Ward was at his absolute best, A+. Ward on the telecast makes the statement, and Ward is a guy who could fight inside. He makes the statement, you can't relax on the inside. Right, again, Ward is old school, no excuses. He said, you can't relax on the inside. Right, he blames Ramirez for relaxing at the moment that he gets hit with the uppercut. Let me also say, too, that they go into the eighth round and Ward continues. He says, that's a rookie mistake from a veteran fighter. Ward continues talking. It's really good stuff. Focus on his comments if you watch the replay. He says, there are no peace treaties on the inside. You let the referee Do his job, right? Well, let's just say that punch evaporated Ramirez's chances, in my opinion, of winning the fight, right? Let me also say, too, Kenny Bayless does a spectacular job of allowing the fight to continue, right? He looks at Ramirez, who backs into the corner. Then Bayless asks Ramirez to walk toward him. Right? You see the full referee protocol there on making sure a guy who looks bad gets an opportunity to show you that he can continue. So Ramirez walks forward. I gotta tell you, Ramirez, and I'm hoping the fight goes over, Ramirez didn't look good, right? You know, he's able to walk forward. He's nodding his head to say, yeah, I want to continue. But let's just say at that moment, I thought Taylor was just a few shots away from ending it. Well, they let the fight continue. And Ramirez doesn't get his legs back, in my opinion, for at least the next round. In other words, he's been dropped in back-to-back rounds. Gets off the canvas, looks shaky, and then is kind of in retreat. Don't get me wrong, he's fighting back. He had to because Josh Taylor's trying to end the fight. But let's just say he wasn't alert enough. He wasn't close enough to recover to actually mount an assault. So, let me just say, by the time you get to the 10th round, it's clear that if Josh Taylor, at least it was to me, I know the fight cards are close, 114, 112, right? That also shows you something boxing has to look at, the impact of location on the scoring of fights. But let me just say this. You get to the 10th round, this is a round I hope Brandon Figueroa looks at. And Josh Taylor then decides he's going to get back on his back foot. You see him on his back foot and you understand, as devastating as Taylor is leading with his dominant hand on the inside, as good as Taylor is, right, lowering his head and throwing left hands, as Ramirez tries to jump on him in the fourth round. You understand there is an entire back foot universe to Josh Taylor, right? For those handicapping his future fights, and I congratulate the new undisputed champion at 140 pounds, right? He was champion before, but the undisputed part is new. I congratulate Josh Taylor on really a magnificent performance, right? He's showing you the entire ensemble of skills, inside, outside. There's a moment late in the fight that I like where Taylor, Taylor starts bending down and Ramirez starts pushing him down. And you just notice how low Taylor can go. In other words, Taylor has great rhythm, can fight up and down, right? Has spectacular timing Remains calm when you're collapsing the pocket. Just a great performance. As I said, this was an event. For those handicapping future fights, the 11th round opens and Ramirez comes out throwing jabs. Right? And he has success throwing jabs. Tim Bradley says, hey, anytime he gets up on that stick, he has success. Right? Bradley wants him to throw more jabs. Someone watching this, who might be a future opponent, right? Maybe it's Terrence Crawford. Maybe it's someone else at 147, is going to think, okay, I need to throw some jabs. I need to force Taylor, who is a master at moving away. He has an Ali thing going where he can drop his hands, and he has distancing mapped out to the point where As you throw a punch, he can just move away, right? You're going to have to flush Taylor out of the pocket because that's where Taylor wants to be when he gets hurt, right? A future opponent might conclude Taylor's right hand's a little underdeveloped and jabs keeping Taylor busy might be the way to set up other shots, Right? I want people to revisit the opening of the 11th round. Right. Let me also say, too, the 12th round. You know, Ramirez likely wins the round, but let's just say you see Taylor moving away. Taylor, at that point, knows he's won the fight. He's moving away. He's keeping distance. You notice the back foot elusiveness. Right? You notice that Taylor just seems to have distance mapped out. And he has great legs and rhythm. So he knows how to move away. So let me just say, this was a great fight. I congratulate the champ. The head held. I'll concede. I was surprised by many things in this fight. Right, Josh Taylor's repeated willingness to lead with left hands. Josh Taylor's high wire act in terms of dodging punches, right? As I said before, the first knockdown Ramirez throws a right hand, right? Taylor just leans, literally. The reason he is able to throw the counter left hook is because he doesn't use his left hand to block the punch. In other words, Taylor is relying on athleticism, right? So someone who's a future opponent might want to, right, throw punches after feints. In other words, a person like Taylor or like Ali who has his hands low, that's the other thing. I thought Taylor would keep his hands up against a slugger like this. No, Taylor often has his hands low and is relying on his reflexes right? And that's interesting because he's 30. He's not as young as you think. He was older than Ramirez. But Taylor, at 30, still trusts his body, right? So it's interesting what would have happened if Ramirez would have it, then had Taylor lean back. This is the thing that makes knockouts, When Taylor leans forward, if Ramirez would have been prepared with the real punch, that KO could have gone the other way. Because understand, Taylor is relying on his body for defense and has his own offense in mind. And his offense, at least for this fight, in my opinion, was a little bit too left-hand heavy. Now the gamble paid off. He gets two knockdowns in the fight. You also realize, too, that on breaks, you have to always be vigilant, right? Because Taylor is one of these guys who is going to force you to protect yourself the entire time you're inside, even when it looks like there's a lull in the action, right? As Andre Ward put it, there are no peace treaties on the inside. You need to know that up front as you fight the undisputed 140-pound champion. That's how I saw the fight. Let all of us know how you saw the fight in the comment section of this video. I congratulate Josh Taylor, masterful performance. That's how I see it. Thanks for stopping by.